This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Seagull Social episode 8. Um, I am your host Maz and of course I'm joined by my co-host Ben and Ryan. How are we chaps? Are we all good? Yes, very, very good mate. Good mate. Good, How good, good. I'm, well, I've been better mate. I'm actually really struggling with my back at the moment. I actually messaged you boys off, off air uh, and I've got a really, really bad back. But enough it's about close me. Call. It's a close yeah, call. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, if, if it wasn't for Craig, I, I wouldn't be here to be honest with you. Um, but no, of course, <laughs> without further introduction, uh, we have got a very, very special guest. Um, of course, Brighton legend, uh, Craig McHale-Smith. Um, how you doing, Craig? You all good? I'm very well, very well. I hope you're all well. Good, good. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, well, apart from the back pain, um, yeah, I'm, I'm all good. I'm all good. He sent us a uh, picture of him lying down on his floor, Craig. Like he was in serious pain. So, <laughs> I, I, I have pain because the last couple of days I've had like sat echo in my back and I couldn't get out of bed. I've got these. That's, that's literally that's literally what I've got. Well, I, I the, the the shooting pain went down my back and then like into my legs, and I was I was got a bit worried. I thought it was like getting paralyzed or something and i started like freaking out um and then thankfully my, my girlfriend was with me and she's helped me like she gave me a bit of uh, ibuprofen and some gel and stuff so fingers crossed uh, <laughs> i'll make it through the next hour but if you see me it's wincing honestly, please it's the worst yeah. pain in the world like the worst pain i've ever suffered yeah. so i guess horrific i'm glad you can appreciate it craig yeah, thank you. Right, so without further ado, um, obviously just to sort of get to know you a little bit more better, and of course, you know the Brighton fans listening as well. Um, so, just from your, you know, the beginning of your career, how did it all start for you? You know, what, what was like the first club you went to, and what was your journey from the beginning, really? Um, it's, I played a lot of non-league football, like well, Sunday league football with my friends. That was kind of my my thing was just playing with my friends, enjoying. It was never really like looking to get into into academies and stuff. It was just enjoy it, play the game. Um, and then just if anything came from it, then then wonderful. And I think probably when I was about nine or ten, I ended up joining like Mill as academy um, and going there. But obviously, kind of still playing Sunday league football at the time, so it was it was it wasn't full time how it is now. It's kind of like it was you could play with, with both teams. So um, just kind of more spending time with my friends, playing with my friends was was more important to me than kind of really worrying so much. Like I think as I was getting older, it was kind of getting a bit more important. But at that age, it's just like. Just have fun running around, scoring goals from all over the place. Yeah. Runs, run with your friends, um, and then I think I ended up going to Watford Academy 
when I was kind of 11 or 12 for a year. And obviously I'm born and bred Watford. It's like my, my team. So that was like an amazing, amazing experience. But it only, ever, only lasted one season. So it was kind of really heartbreaking. Bittersweet, I, yeah. Yeah, I didn't make it. I wanted to be, I went to play for Watford. It was a team supported. I think at the time, like, yeah, like Gifton, Noel Williams was coming through and he was kind of like, 15, 16, and I was like, like oh, that's what I want to do. And, and, then, <laughs> yeah. and then it's like, you go back to Sunday league football, it's kind of like, oh, the, the dream's over. And how, how, how was that? Just, yeah, just out of interest, what what was it like? Obviously, you mentioned Watford being your sort of dream team. Like, obviously, at that age as well, what, were you 15, I think, you said? Yeah, 12. 12 yeah. Yeah. Oh, bloody hell. I mean, <laughs> even worse. Were you, like, did you go home, like, cry, cry in bed? Or what, what was it? What was the sort of raw emotions? Yeah, it was, it was hard. It was like, again, it was you play football and you're you, you kind of your local team say they want you to come and um, be part of the club and I was thinking right this is it like, I'm on I'm on my way now I'm going to I'm years and I'm going to get in the first team and yeah. after the season they just said like you're not big enough you're not strong enough like, like the, the typical things that they say um, yeah. I'm going to let you go so yeah it was it was really hard to take it was it was kind of like telling all your friends yeah I'm going to I'm going to be yeah. a and stuff like that, and then then you're back playing Saturday league football with him. It's it's kind of hard to take, but you kind of got to get over it quick because it's these kind of things happen in football so often. It's um, and when you happen at a young age, it kind of it does mentally make you stronger and and kind of uh, work harder. It's a very yeah, brutal industry, though, isn't it? There's so many so many local lads that I know that have had trials at Brighton, played there for one or two seasons in the youth ranks, and then they get let go. It's, yeah, obviously, it's, it's been more recent in like the news recently. Some kids, I, think I, was, a, I was just about to say, City yeah, guy, wasn't Man City player, yeah, yeah. obviously, it's really mm. sad news that, yeah, horrible he, he, yeah, horrible news with the Man City youth player who got released. Um, and he ended up taking up his own life, which is obviously a horrible thing to see. And I think you mentioned, Craig, the fact that, yeah, you know, at that age, you're so, still so young and you think like your football is your world, isn't it? Like, I'm sure you, obviously I can't speak myself, but um, you've obviously been there, um, you know, at the time and it must feel like the world sort of collapsed around you. And so, yeah, mentally, how, how, mentally, what, what sort of advice would you give to, to younger players out there? Um, I, I kind of like looking at it back then and kind of looking at the end of it now, it's kind of like, it's not the end of the world. It's like, there's always other opportunities. There's always like things that will, that will come from it. Like, I'm a true believer of kind of like one door shuts, another door opens. So it's, yeah. it, but again, it's, it's hard when you're in that moment and, and I've been through it. When you're in that moment, like it's, it is the hardest thing in the world and you've mm. just got to be really mentally tough and you've just got to have good people around you who can kind of help you through and, and, and make you realise that they say that one you might not be wanted there, which is kind of the case for me at Watford. I wasn't wanted there. And then in, in the future, I ended up kind of doing the things I did. So it was just, to say, you've just got to kind of really back yourself, realise there is a bigger world than just football. So if you don't make yeah. it, there's so much more opportunity and there's so many great things that, that are involved in this world that, that don't include football. It's, it's it's hard when you're in that bubble and, you, and you're playing football, you get consumed by it and you believe it's everything. But when you kind of step back from it and actually look at the world, there, there is so much opportunity and so much uh, life to be lit to live. No, definitely. I mean, I couldn't put it better myself, to be honest. And, it, and it's really refreshing to hear from, um, you know, a professional footballer, um, who, you know, who's been there, done it, um, experienced those sort of hardships. So I think, uh, yeah, hopefully to our younger listeners that are listening out there that are trying to become professionals, I think it's great advice to, to give. Um, so no, spot on, really. Um, so just, just moving away then. So obviously, yeah, you went through the young, you know, the ranks, etc. Um, and then 
Uh, of course, you made you, you made your name. Well, I, me as a football fan, growing up, I remember you and McLean up top for Peterborough, which was just like oh, an yeah. iconic. That was like that was like an iconic. It's like Dwight York and Andy Cole, but <laughs> yeah. I'm not even joking. It's iconic. <laughs> it was, it was, it was. No, definitely. And I remember watching. Yeah, like um, I can't remember what the show was at the time, but it was like on. Uh, it was available. I think it was BBC. Basically, I used to watch like highlights of you guys, like banging them in. So, what was that? What was that? Um, you know, what was it like to have that kind of partnership with McLean and you know, obviously other players at, at Peterborough? What, what was that like? It was just an amazing time. I think like when I joined Peterborough, it was kind of they were the first ones to kind of take players out of non-league. They were the ones that are really going for it. I think when I signed, there must have been the kind of ten they'd taken out of non-league. So, and there were a lot of young players, kind of a few that have been like released from academies, and Charlie Lee at the time had been released by Tottenham. So they were really pushing forward um, like that young side that kind of wanted to build a team for the future. Um, so we all kind of lived around with each other. We, I, I lived with uh, Danny Blanchett when he was there and that was next, to, uh, next door to George Boyd and a few others lived on the estate and then there was a, another estate that was closer. So literally we spent every minute, it was like, it was mad. We'd train together, we'd go home, go around someone's house, they'd cook. Like you do, you do like, stupid games to see who does the washing up and all of that. <laughs> yeah. it was, who, who, did, who did the most washing up then? Um, I think it was Charlie Lee. Like he, he tried to get out as much as he, he could, but uh, yeah. it was. But everyone like, had their own signature dish and of cooking food, so it was like it was a it was a real bond. We'd, if we'd go out on a night out, it'd like it'd be the whole squad. Um, so we kind of worked hard, played hard, and. I think that built such a great, great like team, team ethic, and like it wasn't. If you went out, like you came in the next day, and you, and you had, didn't put it in, you you were going to get it. Like there was there was no kind of hiding. Um, and obviously, I, I, I hit it off right away with Aaron. Um, I knew about him, played against him when he was at Grays, um, um, and he I knew what he was capable of. He, he went there a bit sooner than I did, so I kind of watched him and watched his progression and, and saw in how well he was doing. Um, and then we came together and I can't remember who said it, but someone said we, we couldn't play together. Someone said we, we were too too similar. Um, and and look, that, look, look at you now. <laughs> I don't know. I'd like to find out who said it, but it was, it was <laughs> yeah. our minds that um, it was just kind of, we wanted to prove people wrong. We were, we were still kind of uh, like young. We still were really hungry and we wanted to show people that like, we've worked hard to get here and we 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 can do it together like we, we can complement each other um i think we did that on the pitch and, and i think the one good thing about us was uh, we were both very unselfish it wasn't like i didn't want to do amazing and score the goals and and then kind of like not help him it was just kind of like if i'm in a better position he'll pass it to me and if he was in a better position i'll pass it to him and i think that's why we scored so many goals because we weren't always looking to score. We were always looking to for the best opportunity for someone else to score. Because in my head, it's kind of like if you score a goal, if, if I have a shot and someone taps it in, and we go one nil up, then, then more opportunities are going to come to me. If I have a shot and the keeper saves it, it stays nil nil, and that no more might come. So it's always in my head to kind of make sure what is the best option for the team. Pretty rare for a striker to say that. I think. I think. Sometimes you've got to be unselfish. I think you do have to have a selfish streak, definitely. Um, and I think, but when you're in a, in a pair in a partnership, I think you've got to work together. You've got to kind of. I think when you look you look at all the best ones throughout like the, the Premier League, there's, they've always worked really well together. Like I've had, I think like Kevin Phillips, Niall Quinn, um, all like, you guys, Shearer, Sun, the icons, yeah. All these teams, they 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 work well together. They were ruthless when they had opportunities, but they also were unselfish 
um, as well. And, and I think they, they, those are the partnerships that work best. Maybe you need oh. to have a word with Danny Welbeck and Neil Mope. That'd be great. <laughs> Just to, you, and, you and McLean need to sit them both down and be like, look, this is how you do it, boys. You've got to pass it now. You've got to shoot now. Yeah. I'll, I'll you, you, would you ever go into to coaching? Like, you know, like becoming a coach? Or is that something you've ever looked at? The thing is, I, I, I think the timing for me kind of coming out of football and kind of going into non-league has is, is worked well because yeah. I want to start up my kind of my own striker coaching uh, business. So a bit, we, we need you, mate. We need you. <laughs> <laughs> we can't have barn door. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about now, like, it's just kind of, it's, it's weird. Like, coming out of, out of football, out of full-time football, has been, been quite difficult because it's, um, I kind of say to people, it's been institutionalised. Like, you, like in your prison, you, you come out and you don't understand the real world. And now I've kind of got like, I don't have a structure. I don't have people telling me where to be and what to be and what to do. Um, and now I'm kind of having to find out like who I really am and how I how I kind of put things together. So now making business plans and um, looking at how I, I push this business forward. So it, it has been an interesting couple of months. So I'm, I'm kind of in the process of, of building that and, and hopefully uh in the next kind of month maybe the end of the year then i'll have it all kind of sorted and and good to go really yeah I, I, that was actually going to be one that was one of our questions actually it's like how you found that transition from being yeah being in training every day um being told to do what to eat you know all these things that you know a full-time professional footballer does and then going into non-league way how many times a week do you train what Two, uh, three times. Two, two evenings, so Tuesday evening, Thursday evening. So yeah, that must just be nuts, like for your brain to process from going, yeah, in training every day, seeing the lads, and like you know, every day that kind of camaraderie, like you mentioned. Like, yeah, what's been the biggest struggle? I know you mentioned a couple there, you know, finding yourself and stuff. But what's been the the biggest struggles? And I suppose is there also like perks as well? Is there like things that you enjoy uh, not training every day? Playing in the morning, that's the best. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, that's a big one. Must be nice. Uh, yeah, it's, it's good. It, like, I get to spend time with more time with the kids and, and drop the kids off um, to, to school and stuff like that and pick them up. Um, I think like being in and around the players, being being in the squad and you say the camaraderie and kind of that, that is such a big part of, of football and it's it's like you, you go in for that, you go in for the, the, the banner, you go in for your teammates you go, and like especially, obviously I just left Wickham and it's one of the best dressing rooms I've ever been in so it's like it, it was hard to step away and obviously watch them doing what they're doing now um, is it, it, great, obviously you still want to be there and, and doing that so it's it, it's tough and obviously like the training I've kind of got to discipline myself a bit now before it was like I'd, I'd go in I'd have a physio I'd have like a strength and conditioning coach of all these people that would look after you and, and help you out and, and obviously you have that dedicated time so you'd kind of be in at nine and you'd have until say three and you'd do all your work and that and then you'd come home and, and now it's kind of I'm on my own and I've got to kind of either go to the gym or I've got to, I've got to push myself to get out and do extra otherwise it just becomes I'll only ever end up training, training Tuesday and Thursday. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and, and you mentioned Wickham. Um, so I know Ben Ben wanted to find this out. Uh, with um, Akin Fenway, obviously, you, you shared a session with Akin Fenway, haven't you? Uh, and obviously, he's, he's a big, big old character. What, what was it like sharing a dressing room with him? Oh, he's, he's an amazing guy. Absolutely amazing guy. He's charismatic. He, he brings dressing room together. Um he he kind of sets the standard like he 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 puts it in. He's thirty eight years old now, so he's the one that like he kind of leads it. If he, if if you don't follow his lead and if you're not putting it in as much as he's putting it in, then then you're going to get it. And again, like the whole dressing room is is behind him. They all set the same standard, and you can see from what they've experienced and achieved over the last three years. So, excuse me, sorry, it's from like 
that is, I think the dressing room has been a major factor of driving that club on. Because again, three years ago, if you had said Wickham would have been in the championship, you'd have like thought you're like people. Like, There's no way that's going to happen because of yeah. the, the the kind of the situation the club was in, the players that are in there. Um, but it just shows kind of like how well kind of the management staff have done to bring the right kind of people in. Um, and how a, a, a dressing room can really dictate how well a team does. Is it Gareth Ainsworth was the manager? Is the manager? Yeah. Is it? So do you, yeah. Obviously, you two had competition for who had the nicest. <laughs> was there ever like it? Was there ever like a team vote? Was there ever a team vote who had the best best hair? Oh, he's, he's a good ten years older than me. He still got hold of it. So like at the moment, <laughs> ten years until I've still got it, and then and then we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, best best barnet competition. I think I think that's definitely an award you'd you'd be in for. Now that, that actually leads us on really nicely uh, to sort of the next topic we wanted to ask you about. Now, with you obviously as Brighton fans, we always used to you know when you talk about Craig McHale Smith, apart from obviously your your footballing ability, the second most talked about thing was obviously your hair, your your luscious yeah. locks, as some people describe them as. Was it like have you always had the long hair? Has it always been like a part of your look, or was that just something you sort of just grown? over the years yeah i think as i've got grown over the years <laughs> yeah yeah sorry the pun yeah apologies for the pun no. up until i was about 19 20 it was quite short and then um i joined i think uh, dagenham was quite short peterborough so so probably peterborough was the time i started to grow it um george would had a bad influence on you then obviously yeah, yeah Boyd, he's done a, done a great yeah. job I was going to say, I was going to say, it's not one of those like bets, is it? You know, we're like we're, we're strikers if they don't score, they just let it grow. It wasn't one of those, was it? <laughs> no, uh, it was just just it. My beard, not my, not my head. <laughs> oh, okay. So you've done that in the past, then, have you? No, that's not a problem. Like, it's, 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 <laughs> yeah. you your hair off. So, and I've got these that stick out. So sometimes it's a bit difficult. <laughs> is that what you're hiding? You're hiding the ears. Yeah. Is that what it was? Because <laughs> I it behind my ears and it, st- it stays there. So they they work well, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I, love, I love that I, I, I grow it and then sometimes it just gets to a point where I'm, I'm fed up of it and I'll shave it off I've done that a couple of times I've, I've done that a couple of times at Brighton um, and kind of and I think no, once I think I did it at Brighton and shaved it off um, but yeah I enjoy it and I'm, I'm very lucky that I can grow my hair this length and I've had it for this long and I'll keep it as long as I can for as, as long as it stays on my head um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, don't 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 do what I've done and just shaved it all off in in a in a lockdown crisis. Um, don't don't do that because <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, not not a good look. Um, my missus went mental at me because I, I went out of long hair and I came back with no hair, and then she like, <laughs> <laughs> like I've learned my lesson. Like, like, yeah, we all wanna. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask with your other half, has she ever like had a go at you for chopping it off, or like has she ever been like angry at you changing yeah. your hairstyle? Up? We we played a game at Peter. I played it against um, Milton Keynes, and um, I got there a bit early, so I thought like, I need a little bit of a trim. And I went to the hairdressers, yeah. and I was like, "Oh, this is like it's getting on my nerves now." So you know, she did my hair long, and I just said, "I just shave it all off." So he oh, shaved no. it off, back into the, the ground to see her, and he, yeah, he, he was like, "She lost it." And I had <laughs> amazing amazing well yeah fingers crossed um yeah fingers crossed that doesn't happen again <laughs> you just don't don't need the ag do you, you just don't need the aggro uh, it's, it's not needed um but yeah, um, obviously we haven't really talk, talked about much about Brighton. Um, so so let, let's sort of get into that. Of course, 
signing for Brighton, um, there was a bit of talk, I believe, um, with Leicester as well. There's some talk about you joining Leicester. Um, and you, you obviously chose Brighton because we are the bigger and better club, which makes makes a lot of sense. Um, <laughs> what, what was the actual reasons, <laughs> apart from my bias reasons, what was the actual reasons behind you choosing Brighton over, over Leicester? And I had like, at the time, it was Leicester, West Ham and Brighton. Like, and, and oh, like, wow. And I went and, and talked to, so at the time, Sam Allardyce was the manager of West Ham. I think Swingle and Ericsson was a manager. What a selection. Yeah. So obviously it was great to have those those clubs involved and wanting to talk to me. Um, and I went and spoke to Sam Allardyce at West Ham. And to be honest, I was really let down and really disappointed because obviously a fantastic club, great history. Um <laughs> And I kind of went in there, like expecting to sit down and talk to him for a while, and then to explain all the, the the history and what he wanted from me, how the team was going to play, kind of how he, he saw me fitting in. And it was literally a five minute, like uh, this is this is West Ham, this is what you get. Um, and then at the time, my agent was Scott Parker's um, agent, and he was like, "Can I speak to your agent? Can I want to speak to him about Scott Parker?" So I was like, five minutes in there, and I was like, "Oh wow, That's, right. yeah, it's not not ideal, really." So I left yeah. there. It was slap in the face, isn't it? Yeah, I left there disappointed. Yeah. Um, and then then I met Sven, and again he didn't quite know who I was or what I what I did, and he was bring up a play in, and it was just again like I, I felt like I'd done really well that season, um, and expecting a bit more knowledge and a bit more kind of like this is what we want from you, this is how we're going to drive the team towards you, um, and then obviously speaking to Gus, uh, like he loved to talk, and I was with him for about three hours, and it was just it was just kind of the enthusiasm, what he wanted from me, and. I'm quite. I'm, I'm attracted to energy and how people treat me and talk to me. And 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 obviously he was he was had abundance of that. And he was he explained everything what he wanted from me, how they wanted to play, like the, the kind of people they wanted to bring in, where the club wanted to go. So it was like the whole rundown of everything. So that's that's what drew me to the club. Obviously, the with the Amex being built and the the kind of the training ground like trying to uh, be built over the next few years. It was a real plan of the, the club kind of pushing to the Premier League and. I thought it was an exciting opportunity to be something like yeah, involved in something that, was, that could uh, be amazing. So what's the, what's like the process? We all tried to speak. We all tried to speak at one time. <laughs> um, yeah. Craig, we spoke about this, didn't we, on my uh, live stream back in lockdown, the first one? But you know, when you know, you mentioned that Gus Poye pull. I think I spoke to Orlandi as well back in lockdown, and they speak about you know how much of an influence Gus Poye was on their career, mm-hmm. um, and you know. I think Orlandi was at Barcelona at some point. So for him to be saying about, about Gus is, um, you know, it's quite remarkable. And it's a shame the way Gus sort of left us. But, you know, how would you describe him and, and how much he had a, you know, impact on your career? Obviously, like growing up, I, I, I see him as a player and I watched him and, and obviously how great he was as a player. And um, he was a winner. He was very passionate. And, and that came across a lot in his coaching and, and obviously his dressing room talks and all these these kinds of things. And you had a lot to learn from him. He, he, he was good. He took the strikers away and did work with the strikers. And um, he was kind of uh, like very, he was just very good at kind of bringing bits and pieces into your game and, and kind of showing you what you wanted. And he had that passion, which is a player you want to see from your manager. Like he was passionate on the sideline and he was passionate in the in the dressing room. So it was, it was really enjoyable to work with him. And I learned a lot, I learned a different style of football and a different way to play, um, which kind of probably helped me as I've, I've got older. So yeah, and I really enjoyed my time uh, alongside him. And did you, did you get your cap? Did you win your first cap for Scotland? Was that whilst at you, whilst you were at Brighton? No, that was when I was at, at Peterborough. Oh, right. Oh, okay. All right. So you, yes. Yeah, so you played against Brazil on your day. Was that right? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a debut that is, yeah. That's <laughs> the most nerve-wracking I've ever been, like, meet, like meeting teammates and stuff. Like, I, I walked into the to the uh, hotel because they'd already got there. I think I played a game the night before and I went down and literally I almost threw up, like, walking into the, into the hotel. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's not a good look, Craig. That's not a good look. You walk in and you think, like... I'm playing for Scotland in front of like against Brazil in front of like sixty thousand people. It was just yeah. like, and then you kind of meet like uh, like Darren Fletcher and kind of uh, James Morrison, Naismith, and all these people that you watched and watched in the Premier League and stuff. And and at the time I was in League One, so it was like yeah, it was kind of mad. far beyond where like where I'd have myself at, at that moment in time. So to go in there is like went straight into the lunch hall and I was sitting there and my knife and fork were like shaking and I was trying to put out and I was just like I need to get out of here as quick as possible and, and like I, I kind of got through that and then to kind of be in the dressing room and like see the Scotland shirt with your name on it and kind of then go out and see all like again like Neymar and uh, Thiago Silva Lucio and all these people it was just like it, it didn't quite compute in my head I was like trying to work out like what is going on it was just so surreal <laughs> Again, I was so nervous on the sideline. I had like, like um, had a bottle of water and like I think they were like jelly babies, and I was like eating a little bit of jelly baby and drinking water, trying to keep myself calm. And you know, <laughs> I went on for the last five minutes, and it was just like once I get on the pitch, I'm alright. It's because my yeah. brain works too, too much when I'm I, like, I have too much time to think. It goes overboard yeah. and goes off on time. So I, 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 yeah, sorry, I was just about to say uh, with, with, that's actually a very good point. Like mentally. Going into that game, what was you? Because uh, yeah, like, I suffered like from anxiety and stuff like that. So uh, exactly what you said about overthinking and you know thinking too much. When I've got too much time to think, that's when things get bad. Was it just a case of like with that going into that Brazil game? Was it just like keep calm, you know, get on the pitch, do your thing, and get off? Was it one of those, or was it like you know I'm going to go on and just do do my best, really? Yeah, it was just it was just trying to stay as calm as possible. Like I remember driving up to the ground and. Like I was that nervous. I had my headphones in. I had my eyes closed, and I was just telling myself to breathe. <laughs> and like, and like, and I could hear all the crowd outside and all the the flags and everything. I was like, no, I've got to look at this because this is like an an amazing yeah. moment in my life in my career, yeah. and I've got, to, I've got to take this head on. So like, I opened like I opened my eyes, looked out the window, saw the crowd, and it was just an amazing scene. And I was so glad I did. Um, but yeah, it's kind of it's difficult because when you're playing football you kind of your brain switches off it's just, it's just the way it normally is but when you kind of build up to that like your brain is on and then that's when you, your brain just gets chance to start thinking thoughts you don't need to think like you're going to be sick you're going to fall down the stairs you're going to do this you're going to do that yeah. it's just a case of trying to control them as best i could and trying to get on that football pitch as quick as i could so then everything would else would just shut off and then i could just get on with like playing the game and not worrying and then once you once you're off it's just like it's just a kind of uh, an overload of emotions, and then you're so drained, like physically, mentally, from con- having to control that throughout the whole day. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, I mean, no, it's gone wrong. Gonna like along sort of the similar subject. Um, you mentioned earlier about, as you say, the characters in the game sort of is what gets the best out of you. Mm-hmm. I think it has to be asked, what was Barry Fry like at Peterborough? Yeah, it has to be yeah. said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's yeah, character. So he's, he's, he's uh, I've got like he's he, he's, oh, he's, he's, he's your he's your oh, oh yeah sorry? he is yes yeah. he is what? yeah. Wait, my, he's your... he's, 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 uh, he's uh, her dad yeah. 
Oh, what? That's mental. No way. I, I, I genuinely didn't know that. Um, shows how much research I've done then. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, that, that's crazy. So, uh, wow, yeah. okay, yeah. Get, carry on. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. Yeah, no, he's, ama- like, he's amazing. Like, I, like before, obviously, uh, me and my partner got together when I was kind of joining Peterborough. He was kind of ha- pounding me and harassing me and trying to make me join Peterborough and he'd turn up at games and he'd uh, like kind of say, I've got a contract here, like let's sign it. <laughs> so he was just a big, big character and I knew about him through football and obviously having someone like that following you around and, and saying like, we really wanted you to sign and stuff was, is, is amazing. And he, he's been massively helpful throughout my career um, with decisions and just things that are going on and, and how to kind of navigate them. Obviously now I'm on the other side of my career and he's, he's kind of giving me advice on how to do things and, just doing the best he can to help me. I'm, I'd say I'm very lucky to have someone with, with such like kind of great history uh, within the game to to kind of go to and speak to. If you don't mind me asking, what was the conversation like when you had to say, "Look, Baz, <laughs> <laughs> Baz, yeah, <laughs> look, Baz, big Baz, come on, mate." I, know, I, I love I, you so much. I didn't, I didn't say anything. Like I'm like at that point in time, I was so shy. And like I, I wouldn't like say we do so. I just like I just let my, my missus tell him, and then in the end we kind of met met. And I think because he, he knows I'm 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 quite a, quite a good person. So it was just like he wasn't he wasn't too worried. And um, you're on the bench. You're on the bench on Saturday, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's I think I performed so well. I had to I had to show. Him. <laughs> That's class. That's amazing. Um, but no, and was there any like throughout your career, um, sort of with that? Um, was was there any sort of moments where, where Barry like there's some like you know because like you said he's a big big character and I remember recently there was a, a viral clip that went round where he was on, he was um he didn't answer his phone. Uh, he had it first of all we had a match of the daytime mm, yeah. which, was, which was class. Um, and then and then he didn't pick up the phone and he said I think it was um David Sullivan trying to call him yeah. and he's like oh, I'm going to wait till after. So is is there any other sort of moments where you sort of looked and thought what a guy like what what a character? Is there any other sort of moments that have done that? Um, I just like he just the good thing about Barry is he's like. He, He's just, he's just him. He doesn't like, he doesn't care what people think about him. He just, he just does what he does. Um, he's polite with everyone that meets him and talks to him. He's, he, everyone loves seeing him. Um, it was, I think, at the time he went to um, Wembley, um, and he was kind of up and down, walking around, and he was talking to people. Um, and then he was just having the chat of a guy, and I was like, "So Mrs. Up, like he's he's talking to to Monty Panastar there, like it's like just having a chat. I wonder what they're saying." And then he he come over, and Amber said, "Oh, like you've been chatting to Monty Panastar, like uh, what you been what was he saying?" And he's like, "I don't even know who he is. I was talking to him." <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Well, Monty Monty Panis is a bit of a Sussex legend, isn't he? he, he I remember yeah, yeah. him playing for Sussex. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, go on. No, he's brilliant. He's he, I say like. He, uh, he he helped me deliver my first child as well. So it's, it's uh, wow. It's, um, Wait, what? What? He's actually in the delivery room with you. I went in the delivery room. We didn't make the hospital. No so, way. Yeah. So we, uh, we ended. So my my partner was was due the day of the England Scotland game. Um, so this is like after I'd kind of got injured. So I wasn't I wasn't involved. So I came home. She was in the bar, thought nothing of it, and went down and watched the football. And then she was like, "Yeah, there's like we're gonna have to get to the hospital." Um, and at the time, Barry and um, his wife were at the Scot- England Scotland game, so she had to ring him and tell him to come down. Oh. To the game, got down to the, to our house, um, rang the hospital, and they said, "No, like you're your first time mother. Like, don't worry about coming in. Like, it'll be a while." I get back in the bar, 
got back in the bath within about 30 minutes the, the baby was coming like there was no ambulance it was just me and barry and uh um, wow. uh, um there and and we literally delivered the baby like on our own <laughs> wow. that's crazy oh, yeah. What a, what a story that is! Imagine that, like, obviously, as his story can tell, his his grandkids were like, yeah, you know, I I delivered you, helped deliver you. That's Imagine the most the- calmest I've ever seen Barry. He was calmer than me. Like he was like, really? like I thought he'd be flapping and he'd be shouting and <laughs> in, in the house at that point in time. So it was just it was an amazing experience. Like, I, I I wouldn't take it back now. But obviously at the time, it was just. <laughs> <laughs> Scariest things I've ever ever been through. It, it, imagine uh, telling a, uh, imagine telling yourself when you joined Peterborough that, that was going to happen a few years down the line that you were going to be sat in the bathroom with Barry doing that. Like you must have thought, no chance. No, no. I, know. I wouldn't have believed it. I thought someone would have been winding me up. That, I think, I think that's you're actually winding us up. I can't yeah. believe it. <laughs> I was just about to say, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not having it, Craig. I'm not having it. But that, no, that, that, that's incredible. That's actually incredible. Um, it's definitely one for the, for the grandkids. That's that's class. Yeah. Um, but no, and just going back as well um, to your time at, at Stevenage as well. Um, obviously, there was a big sort of um, t- time that we talked about. Like the, there's a deal uh, for two and a half million um, for the kit. You know, the Burger King iconic. Yeah, well, yeah. you call it iconic. It was a bit, a bit of a uh, sort of a, a tricky one. Um, were you sort of aware that was happening and like what were your sort of thoughts on that because um, obviously for people that don't know you basically your sponsors were Burger King and you had this all the stripy red and white tops um, yeah. and it, it was a quite a lot of uproar on social media well, not uproar but people were just a bit, a bit baffled by it all what, what was your thoughts on it all like were you happy with it uh, to be honest it was just play football like I don't I wasn't getting <laughs> any of the other stuff I, it, the kit wasn't the nicest the massive obviously the <laughs> Burger King thing over the front <laughs> <laughs> And we've got Burger King on the on the front. I was about to say that, yeah, it's a bit of a contradicting sponsor, isn't it? So for for me, I I didn't really pay any attention. I was just there to to play football, and obviously, I think they've done pretty pretty well out of it um, from that. Which is great for challenge. Yeah, it's great because these clubs need need all the help they can get. Like down down at that level, is is whatever. Kind of sponsorship or advertising that they can get is is massively helpful because we want them to all survive. It's the it's the whole reason that we love English football. That our pyramid of football is is the best in the world. And if if the clubs like that go out of business, then we're we're in big trouble. So yeah, for the for the club, it's fantastic. So and, and hopefully more things like that can happen for for clubs at that level. We've seen a lot of that struggle. Sorry, Van Gorn. No, mate, you guys fine. We're, sorry, I was saying, we're seeing a lot of the, the struggle at the minute, isn't it, with the whole COVID impact, the whole fans aren't allowed in. I know a lot of the people at Crawley and, the, you know, they say that it's a big hit on them, you know, for the Premier League clubs. I mean, we're probably in sort of the position where we can be classed as that now. But, you know, the whole no fans, that you know, these clubs rely on match day revenue. So, mm. you know, yeah. for, a, for a club point. like Stevenage to have, you know, that sort of thing was probably huge for them because... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because I, I, say, think, like, I think even for the for the bigger clubs, I'd say Ryan, I, I think even yeah, like true, two and a half true, million, like it's quite a lot. Was, a lot of it was money. actually two and a half million so earned media. So that was after the sponsor. So obviously, oh, Burger King paid Stevenage to sponsor it yeah. in the first place. Then it was two point five million after that because of all the whole coverage oh. it got. And oh, so it was such a massive deal on Ultimate Team or FIFA 
because yeah. all these thousands of millions of kids were using that Stevenage kit and playing with <laughs> players like Messi, Ronaldo. So I think yeah, yeah, the Stevenage yeah. marketing guys was like, never thought Stevenage would be signing Ronaldo and Messi. <laughs> never get yeah. Ronaldo to wear the Stevenage kit, but because of the unbelievable branding that they've done. So yeah, they've absolutely they sold, out. They sold all their shirts out from from that as well. I think. Wow. <laughs> which is which is again to say it's fantastic. It's like these things, these ideas need to be put forward as much as they can to, to those clubs because mm. um, say like you think of all the players that have come from those levels that are now mm. internationals. I think I saw a mad stat the other day with the England team that they had uh, the England team that played recently had more play uh, appearances in the EFL than they did in having the Premier League. Yeah, that's, that's mad. Wow. Yeah. That yeah. How important is you take that away, mm. then then our, our international yeah. team, and, and especially like the, the, the Premier League would, would struggle. No, I definitely. I agree. No, I agree. that's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, yeah, it just shows. Yeah, it, like, like you said, it just shows how important the, the lower leagues are. Just to develop, like not only the development of football, but just like to the to the big teams as well in the Premier League. Like you see, so many big Premier League teams send their scouts out to the to non-league, and you know, look at Jamie Vardy. You know, he's playing non-league till what he's twenty-seven. Um, so it just shows like yeah, how, how important that well. is. He's doing, doing yeah. bits as well. Mm. Yeah, 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 smashing it. Uh, but no, no, it's a very, very interesting subject, and I'm sure we can probably go on about it all day long. Um, but so, so moving on to um, sort of the Brighton um, era, and we got quite a lot of questions from Instagram. So we put the question out, you know, obviously saying that you're a guest, um, and we got a lot of questions in uh, for you. You're a very popular man, so we've got a lot of questions. We could try and go through <laughs> as many as we can. Um, so we'll kick we'll kick off first um, with this one then. Um, so obviously back at your time from, this is from Connor Strong on, on Instagram. Um, after such a long time out, uh, what did it feel like when you assisted Ujoa versus Forrest? Oh, it was amazing. Like, it was a real hard period um, like being injured, especially the injury I got was just, um, it was kind of, kind of uh, career changing. It just, it changed who I was as a player um, it, it was a real like difficult one. Even though I got through it, it coming out on the other end of it, it was just like I knew it changed me as a player. It taken something away from me that I I had previously. Mm. Um, so to kind of come back, just to, to still be playing, and obviously to get that opportunity to to come on in, in on that last game, and then obviously to stick the cross in. I was getting annoyed because I, I was watching the clock and I was waiting for for Oscar to to stick me on, but, and I was getting more mm. annoyed and. <laughs> down and I, and I, could, I knew the, what the result was at Reading, and I was like, it was. Getting, I was just trying to keep myself calm because I was getting really angry about not not sticking me on, and then obviously <laughs> he stuck me on with about I think it must be about three or four minutes to go, um, and it was literally just like just do the best I can, whatever I can do, just help as much as I can, and then obviously Kaz gave me the ball out wide, um, and I know how good Leo is in the box. Um, and as a striker, it's kind of like just put the ball where I'd want it to be. Um, as soon as I hit it, I knew I'd, I knew I'd put it in the right area. And obviously, to see him head it in was just was just amazing. And it was just such a like kind of a big relief after everything I'd gone through to kind of come out the other end and and then yeah. that. And obviously, see the emotions and the the scenes in the in the away end of Forest was just just amazing. Maybe it's yeah, obviously that, was- that selflessness you earned or learnt with uh, working with McLean has obviously paid off. You thought, right, I need to whip the best ball in here for my strike partner. So all those years with McLean obviously paid off for Brighton. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's always the way, like, that's always how I've been. It's not, it's not so much always about me. I want to be a striker and I want to score goals, but it's always, it's again, it's like, you want to, you want to win and yeah. helping mm-hmm. others 
uh, score goals and and do and kind of lifting them up helps you you win as well. So it's it's a team game. It's not an individual game, and, and that's how I've always been been driven to to, to play. Mm. And you mentioned the uh, the you you heard the Reading uh, result. So I've always been interested about that. Like, did, what? Do you have a radio? How did you get that information? Did someone tell you? Or yeah, I think we had a radio, and I think we might have had a phone at the time. I think like we were we were in communication with someone, and they were telling us like what the scores were and stuff. And yeah, off the crowd's reaction as well. Like you, you could hear when, when the results were, were going well for us, and obviously yeah. I kind of knew where it was before I came on, and and I think the whole. Second half, warming up, trying to get in, get in his eye line, and trying to get myself on. <laughs> yeah. Imagine him like prodding him, like, "Come on!" I didn't him, like, and I don't, but I think I kept getting in his way. But it was just like, <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny that Reading game. Do you remember they all stood and they had a, they had a big pitch invasion, and then they had to stop because we had just scored, <laughs> and so they had to come off, and then they're getting it all from the Burnley fans, chucking it back at him. I think it was just. Absolute madness! But oh my That's god, mad. imagine imagine being a Reading fan that night and you just oh, storm the pitch, and all yeah. of a sudden you see we've scored. <laughs> no, no, knowing you're the reason for that, Craig. That you know you're. Yeah, you're how do you feel about Reading. that, Craig? Yeah. <laughs> it happens, doesn't it? Like it's you just it happens in football. It's funny to see. It's kind of like you just got to be careful not to celebrate early, and obviously, yeah, <laughs> our game was still going on and. They thought they'd done it, and 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 this was football. We can go to the last kick of the game, and and for us, it did kind of that day, and and it, it kind of worked out for us. Mm-hmm. Callum Tully asked, so it's probably a pretty straightforward question. Was that the best assist of your career? Um, yeah, I think so. it's got it's got to be. I can't see it did many many as good as that. That, that was that was such an important time. I think that was that's probably probably right out there. Definitely nice. Um, and then the next one we've got here. Um, so this is a very sort of interesting one. We, we spoke off air about this one. So we're quite excited to hear about your answer on this one. So um, as Brighton fans, we don't really hear a lot about uh, Sammy Hoopier uh, and what his man management and coaching was like. So can you shed any light on like what he was, uh, what he was like as a gaffer? Because obviously we all know he was a great player for Liverpool. You know, he's quite iconic for them. Uh, but as a manager, what, what was he like? He was good. He was really good. He was a, he was a great guy. Uh, really good guy to, to talk to and he was very good with ideas and stuff and I just think he was ahead of his time to be honest like if you look at how Liverpool play now is is how he tried to implement that that fashion into into Brighton um kind of he wanted the left back and the right back to get on he wanted the kind of the, the midfielders to to sit uh, sit deep um and kind of form a box um and it was, when he came in and we played Leeds United away, I think we had 70% possession at Ellen Road and we beat him 2-1. And, and at that point, you're thinking, well, we're going to storm the league. Like We were, we, were, yeah. we looked awesome. And um, as I said, I think he was just ahead of his time because I think teams worked us out. I don't think we quite had the quality of player to kind of do that. And obviously Liverpool do. Um, but I, I just as I say, I think he was a very good coach. He, he, he had the right idea. It was just that I don't think it was the right time for him to implement that idea. Um, yeah. It was, it was hard, hard for him. Yeah, because I remember at the time, like Brighton fans gave him a lot of stick, and like, myself included. I'll, I'll be, I'll put my hands up and admit that. Yeah, at the time, I remember just giving him a lot of grief because obviously, I think we weren't getting the results. And um, apart from you know the games, like you said, you know the Leeds games, for example. But apart from that, I, 
I personally didn't see much, you know, what his vision was. But obviously, I think that shows the the disparity between you as a player because you see it day in day out. You see his methods, you see his, everything like that. Whereas mm. us fans only just see what happens on the pitch. So yeah, was that frustrating to see him, you know, not given a fair chance or stay as long as he he did? Yeah, it was difficult, and obviously, as players, we have to take the responsibility of of not performing on on the pitch. He, he gave us. Um, all the tools we needed and explain the formations and stuff like that. And it was just, obviously, as players, we we didn't kind of take it on the pitch and, and perform as best we could. It, it was a shame, obviously, he, he left. Um, but also then it's kind of, when do you kind of, how long do you give him? Because obviously we were we were in trouble at the time. So it's it was it was a hard decision, I think, for him to go. And as I said, like, in, down the line, you can see that far with Liverpool players, what he tried to implement. And, he was probably he was ahead of his time, but as the club, and first and foremost, is the most important thing, and that 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 yeah. needs to stay where it needs to stay. And um, ultimately, if the players don't perform, more often than not, the manager's the one that gets the gets the job. Yeah, Just, yeah, I think that's that's pretty similar to what's happening with us at the minute, isn't it? With Potter, I yeah. think we're, we're again we're dominating games, but we're not we're not getting the results, unfortunately. It's a results business and the manager does get the sack and that's that's the sad reality of it. But um, you know, as you say, with um, you know, that season, you know, we was it hard for you personally for, for obviously the, the season before we did so well, we got to the playoffs, you know, we had Oscar and then he left for whatever reason, and then we've got, you know, hippier in, things change, people, you know, players come and go. And then we come, what was it, 21st, I believe, that season. So we've gone from, what, 6th to 21st for the players, like for yourself that were there that season before and the season before that. How different was that, you know, coming so low in the in the, in the the table? Yeah, it was, it was difficult. I think that through kind of uh, Gus and, and Oscar, we dominated a lot of games. We had loads and loads of possession. We'd get mm. quite, quite a few chances. Um, and and it's from going from that, and obviously then you, you, you have uh, Sammy's style, and it, obviously we did go forward a lot, and then when things worked us out, it, it became a, a lot more difficult to, uh, formation to play. Um, but it, so it was hard for me. It was difficult. I obviously come off the back of the injury and finished the season, played a, like a few games, and then I was hoping to kind of play a, a lot more, um, have a like more of a role and stuff, and. I played probably more football and it didn't quite happen. I think I've had a couple of really good games and mm. against Bolton and I was kind of in and out. Yeah, remember that one. And then I think he, he brought in Darren Bent, which is obviously a fantastic forward to, to yeah. kind of lead the line. And, and that kind of meant I had to kind of go and find football elsewhere for a bit because it was, it was, I was trying to find myself again. As I say, as a, as a player, I'd, I'd lost something that I'd had previously. I don't know whether it was, mm. it was sharpness or that acceleration or maybe in my mind it might it might have affected me slightly and so I was kind of like I needed somewhere where I was going to play consistently so I could kind of get like I could find actually who I was as a player again and, and kind of get myself mm. strong to kind of kind of push on mm. yeah no yeah. definitely no no it's, it sounds like you know it's one of those things where uh, first of all just on your front from your front you know bit you know getting injured and whatnot that can sort of impact you can't it like mentally and physically like like you mentioned so and then having different styles of managers like it just seems i don't know from experience but i'm sure it's just all these sort of factors that we don't sort of maybe think about sometimes when we sort of we might you know really dig into a player like why is he not performing why is he not doing that and we don't think about what you guys are going through and you know it's very refreshing to hear from your from your uh, side of things as to why um so no people understand i think because 
you say you, you, you guys only really see us on a, maybe on a Tuesday or a Saturday and we, we roll out and we play a game and, and we play well or we don't play well and, and it's kind of like one week you might play well then you might not play and you're kind of going what's going on like what like why are yeah. you doing that and for, for us in the background it's it's there's loads of different challenges going on obviously the challenges of home um, injury from the, like maybe not playing maybe the manager likes you doesn't like you oh, there's so many factors that are going in throughout the week that you're kind of having to, to deal with yeah. and then obviously then you, you need to turn up and, and play on a Saturday or a Tuesday and, and obviously that's that what's what makes great players they can kind of put that together consistently week in week out without actually kind of letting those things um, affect them but more and more now you see you see a lot more players they they maybe not performing as they should do and, and there's obviously things that happen in the background that, that it's, it's hard for people to say oh yeah I'm, I've had a sleep this night because my, my little girl's been up or I've had this and I've had that and people say oh they don't want to hear those them excuses they just want you to turn up on Saturday at three yeah. and bang a hat trick in but you, you might <laughs> up three o'clock in the morning it's it, yeah. it is difficult but again we, we're privileged and, and we, we we get paid good money to, to kind of put them things aside to, and turn up on those days to and perform so yeah. touching on um things behind the scenes now it's a touchy subject that a lot of Brighton <laughs> fans are confused about Arch Warner asks, "What are your thoughts on Poogate? Like, what happened?" <laughs> yeah, that's what he asked. <laughs> well, it weren't my words, but are you allowed to touch on that? What happened? Do you know what happened behind the scenes? I know that like the rumor I heard was that the, the, the driver, the Crystal Palace driver, was busting for the toilet or something, and he, <laughs> yeah, he was the one that, like ruined the toilet, and and then they used that as like. The management probably used it as ammunition to say like, that was that was what Brighton did to you and kind of use it as a mental thing. That's this is what I heard. I don't I don't don't actually, <laughs> but that's 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 a clever thing to do. That's a clever thing to say like to say this is what they've done and like that that like winds you up. And obviously because it's such a big rivalry as well and it was such a massive game, it's it those little things can can make the difference. And obviously, um, as I say, I don't I don't quite know and whether we'll find out. What the what the real reason is, I don't know, but that's that's yeah. why I heard. And, and to say if, it, if, if that's what they did, then it's a good mm. mental way of, of uh, getting their team going. So that's yeah, better than what I heard. I heard that it was one of the Brighton coaches. I don't want to name name. Apparently, they went in the dressing room, the Palace dressing room, uh, in the middle of the dressing room. That's the one that I heard. <laughs> Not to name names, Charlie Oatway, but um, yeah. yeah, he, he was. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, surely there must have been someone who could verify this story. But basically, just, just to, to clarify, just to clarify, Craig, you didn't see, you didn't see any physical evidence <laughs> of this. No, no, I, 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 yeah. I didn't see anything. I, I was, to be honest, I was probably in the gym training, or uh, like because at the time I was injured, so I, I wouldn't have been been anywhere around it at that time. I would have kind of right. turned up a little bit later. So, but then, yeah, it was all, it was all going off, and there was lots of. Obviously, talk about it, and and obviously, coming <laughs> from their dressing room. So, to say, it, it, I think ultimately that that helped push them across the line. I think that gave them yeah. that, that true incentive, yeah. mm. that mental warfare. Yeah, yeah. it is mental that that kind of situation can help them beat us in the playoffs. I think I think the players as well would have had a big factor, but no, um, obviously yeah. the the, the, the poo gate wasn't wasn't ideal, was it? Um, but no. Uh, so anyway, moving on uh, swiftly. Um, what was your favourite? So this is from TB14. Uh, what was your favourite thing about Brighton? So uh, as a city and also um, as a team? 
um, as a city. Um, I just loved how kind of how different it was. You met so many different people from different walks of life. Like you could be anyone you wanted to be in Brighton, and no one would bat an eyelid. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was amazing. I, I'd love to spend time down the lanes, and I'd see people kind of yeah. dressed up in old nineteen forties stuff. Like it was amazing, and and, and no no one bat an eyelid. It was just, you just, just normal people walking around doing their thing, and I just loved how everyone is, was accepted. So. It was such a like a, a great kind of happy place to be, especially kind of when the sun came out. The, yeah. the, the whole place just went mental, and like you'd have hundreds of thousands of people kind of descending on there, and it was just a great atmosphere, a great place to be around. Um, and with the club, like just I just love the club, like the the, the facilities, the, the the players, the fans. Just it was a, a fantastic um, like time for me, and obviously I knew the club was progressing. I knew the club where the club wanted to go and I knew that they were going to get there like the, the way um, Tony Bloom was backing, backing the managers and obviously putting all his money in to build a stadium and just as I, my last season, he, he built the new training ground. Um, so it, for me, it was, just, it, was, it was trying to be there and being part of it and take the club to the Premier League and, and it wasn't quite meant to be for me but obviously a few years later it happened and, and, and I'm, I'm, it's like I'm over the moon and ecstatic that the club's done it because I said I knew, I knew it would happen and it's just obviously great to see them there. That's class. It's really good. It's really nice to see that, you know, you still care uh, and like, you know, you don't, you don't have to, um, you know, you've got every right just to, once you've, once you've cut ties with, with a club, you don't have to like, you know, speak well of them or, you know, particularly enjoy their successes. But I think it's really refreshing to see. And it's nice to hear that obviously you, you had a really, had a very positive time. And, and, you know, I think it's, I think I speak for a lot of Brighton fans. You had a big impact on our club. Um, so, you know, the fact that, you know, the things you've done for our club had a big, impact you know whether big or small into where you know where where we where we are now so um yeah we're forever indebted indebted to you craig yeah <laughs> you're, you're playing yourself down i was like i went through periods where i didn't score and obviously i went through periods where i was out for a long long time and the fans are always behind me they, like they, I, they never, there was never any kind of negative comment towards me or why aren't you doing this or why aren't you scoring like it was always positive and it was always friendly and it was and it was it was Refreshing because it, it, as a player, you don't mean to get injured. As a player, you don't mean to score goals, and you don't mean to do all these things. It, it, these things happen, and maybe you are good enough, maybe you're not good enough, but you, you always try it. And that was always my case. I'd always work my ass off and put put the, my heart and soul into into playing for the club. And say to have that like reciprocated from the fans, like that's that's why I, I have so much like, love for the club. I, th- I think to be fair, like because. It was obvious that you worked so hard during a game. You, I mean, whenever yeah. I think of if I if you say the word Craig, the name Craig McCall Smith, I instantly think yeah. of someone who just doesn't stop running, always yeah, running, absolute workhorse, yeah, abs- yeah, just always running, always darting in behind, chasing channels, whatever you're doing, you're always running, and I think that's probably why. Like mm-hmm. you see, so many players they get they get fans have stick on all the time now, like especially with social media, it's way easier just to. Be- tweet whatever you want but you know with with a player that works hard it's you can't get on someone's back that works hard I don't think anyway because right, if definitely. if you've got a player who who, do, who shows he doesn't care like looks like he's, he couldn't be bothered rather just move I was only here for the money 
um yeah so that's that's the thing like if you if you work hard you've got a, you've yeah. got the fans respect instantly as far as i'm concerned i, I, I remember i remember was it just literally the other week uh, i don't know if you guys saw it with messi you know when he was like walking around i think it was like to be fair to oh, him yeah. it was like the 85th minute but he was like walking around and he got so much stick online they're like oh messi's so really? lazy yeah and like he's like the greatest player ever <laughs> like, yeah you know and, crazy, he's, and he's getting stick on social media for not running about for five minutes um so no it's, it's, it's a crazy world but no I, I definitely what ryan just to reiterate what ryan said i think if you show that you're you know putting in those runs and you know working hard all the time you can't you can't slate someone because if they're putting in the effort you know you can't you mm. can't have anything bad to say about them so no speaking, definitely. About, speaking about social media i remember the day we signed you craig I was handing out leaflets for my mum's hairdressing business around like the local, <laughs> lo- around the local town. No little we, plug there, Ben. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If, you want hair, if you want a haircut, Craig, come down. To <laughs> um, no, I just, we never really were on Sky Sports at that time in our, in our in our history, really. And so I just got a notification on my phone from Sky Sports saying Brighton signed Craig McCall-Smith for three point five million. I was just like, oh my god, this is mental. Like one because we're on Sky Sports, <laughs> and two because we signed you because I didn't think it was going to happen. I just remember that just sitting down on the street just when they, when it popped through. Yeah, yeah. I just remember that really clearly signing you. It was great. It was a great day. Look great day for my mum's business as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so the next the next question then um, we've got to talk about. So uh, this is from Ollie Payne. Um, what was your best goal that you scored for Brighton in your in your opinion? Um, it had to be the overhead kick against Burnley. I yeah, was, yeah. Gonna say that it had to be. It was just yeah. It was just like that. That, that kind of start of that season, I was just on on fire. Everything I was hitting was was going in. Um, and I just remember Bruno just kind of swinging the swinging the ball in, and it was kind of going away from me. And I just thought I'd, it was just that was the only thing I could really do. I couldn't really, I couldn't bring it down and swivel and hit it. So I just I just threw myself at it, and I kind of felt it hit my foot, and then I hit the floor and see it going the back of the net. And it was just it was just amazing. It was just like it was just a great feeling. And then obviously ran off, celebrated. And then I had in my head just about to do a knee slide, and then I remember I was really going to stop. Yeah, I, I injured my knee doing a knee slide. And so oh I, no! Doing a knee slide, I turned into like a, a, a weird. It's like a weird. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that whatever you call that. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and just on the subject of Burnley, um, what, what, well, we got another question from Uncle Cogs. Um, how did the Amex crowd fire you and the team up against Burnley after receiving two red cards? Um, it's just the noise, just like the the, the support. Mm. You say it's you look at the football now, and and I've had a chat with someone the other day and said like you look at the table, all the teams that struggle with crowds are doing really well, and all the teams that struggle with like who love pressure are finding it really difficult. And so it just shows how much of an influence the crowd is, like within football matches. And and as you say, the time when we're down to to nine men, and they, they they literally just drove us through. It just it just gives you more energy. It kind of it just it pumps you up, and you just like you'll run through a brick wall. And it, it's it was just a, a massive kind of boost which which you need. And I'd say without fans at the moment, t- teams and players are finding it really really hard to to kind of reach those levels that they would normally reach. Um, yeah. And it's it's come it's helpful for some players because. Like they, there's no crowds, there's no one battering them if they hit a shot over or they, they don't cross one in or whatever, they can just get back in their position and go again. But whereas if there's yeah. 40,000 people shouting at them, they might go into their shell. And then on the other side, you've, you've got players of like, say, Kevin De Bruyne and people like that who thrive playing in front of 60,000 people and thrive with people kind of throwing abuse at them. And, and I think they're finding it difficult to perform at, at their best. So 
you don't have to kind of underestimate how big a role fans play in football games. On behalf of all fans, Craig, you're welcome. <laughs> I think I've got to ask the question on the subject of that game. Although we lost 1-0, um, I remember it. And I think Tony Bloom said it was the best game at the Amex during that era um, of time. Would you agree with him or would you say anything else during your time specifically at the club? You know, your favourite Amex era moment. Um, because I remember Tony said that the Burnley one, despite, you know, the, the result, the fans was the reason why it was his favourite game. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I'd say that. I'd say I think we, we played Leeds a couple of times and there were some great games against against mm-hmm. Leeds. Um, but yeah, I think I, that, does, that does stand out to me. Um, I, I had a few chances which I could have scored. I think I could have scored right. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> we won't yeah. talk about that, Craig. We won't talk about that. <laughs> that but, yeah. yeah. But the, the crowd, it was it was fantastic. Say to have not it must have been twenty three thousand people at that time, kind of willing us on, and it was like just cheering us through, and it was almost kind of a, a great a great comeback. And it does stick out in mind. There are certain games you look back in like in your career and stuff like. And when I look back at my Brighton career and, and those games like that do stand out. Was it a hat trick against Leeds? Did you score? Was it? A, was it? A no, just penalty. Thanks for my mind. Cheers, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it should have been a hat trick. That was definitely. I took a penalty score and I took another one and I think he saved yeah. it. I remember. It was now. Disappointing yeah. in the first the first hat trick at the Amex and. Um, but you it, scored it, a nice goal in that game, though, Craig. If I remember the little turn and the, the right footed yeah, shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I remember. That. And then I think that Barnsley. I think that was another. I think there was two games, weren't there? Two games we drew two with them. Um, yeah, something like that. Yeah, I think, I think right. those were those were good games at the Amex. It was always it was always great being at the Amex. Like to mm. the crowd that like the, the pitch was massive, which I, I loved as a footballer. I love playing on huge pitches because it gets lets me lets me lets me run as far as I can go and. <laughs> It's a fantastic stadium. So, like, and like, unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to get back there at all. Like, since I've left, it's, no. yeah. it's kind of with football. It kind of it takes over, and I've always been like, all the teams I've been at, I've been like, let's draw them in the cup, let's get them in the cup, like, like yeah. let's hope we get them in the cup and that. So, hopefully now, like, obviously, once the restrictions and everything kind of die down, and it get, we can kind of get fans back in, then I'll have the opportunity to, to get back there because it's it is, a, it is an amazing place. I'd love I'd love to be in there. I mean, I'm sure all the fans will give you a great reception if you, Absolutely. if and when yeah. we do go back eventually, some point in in the future. Hundred percent, hundred percent. That half time um, touchline interview that the uh, the guys always do at the Brooklyn yeah, yeah. <laughs> you'll be who's the guy who does that? Who's the guy who does that? The Richard Reynolds. Well, there yes. you go. Yeah, the the iconic <laughs> half time half time interview. You get that in. Um, all right. Well, yeah. Thank you very much for everyone who sent their questions in via Instagram. Unfortunately, mm. we can't go through every single one of them because we had a lot. Um, and, and just quickly as well, um, the Sammy Hubie question was from Jack Healy. I forgot to say uh, his name there. So yeah, that was from Jack Healy. Um, so there's a there's a segment we, we play, Craig. Well, I say we play. We've done it once <laughs> with Andy Naylor. Um, <laughs> done it once with <laughs> our only guest so far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You did get a mention in it last week, though. Andy Naylor still did. Yeah. You did, actually. Yeah. yeah. So so basically the, the segment is, um, so we ask you to build your perfect player but yeah. only using Brighton players um so we're going to give you six categories and then you're going to give us the person for that category so and what I'm going to do uh, just as a sort of like a Brucey bonus you can pick yourself for any given category if you want to all right 
than present players or yeah, past yeah, or present. Pick present. Yeah, 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 past or present. Uh, whether they're playing or yeah, just as long as they're Brighton players, it's all it's all good. Um, so first of all, then um, this is very close to your heart. Uh, finishing. Um, yeah, I'd say well, mine at the time wasn't great, but I thought, <laughs> I Leo, at the time Leo was on was on fire when I was there. So oh, okay, nice. You show yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. What, what was it about? Like, what was it? Was he just? Was it first time finishing? Long range? Like, what? What was so good about his finishing? It was just like because he was a, a big guy. He, he could move himself so well. He could get himself in great positions. Obviously, he could finish with his head. He had a good left foot and right foot. He was quicker than you actually realised. Um, he, he was. He was very good. Like he came in. Obviously, he was a good player. And then obviously he went off to Leicester and and won the Premier League. And you could kind of yeah. see the improvement that he had done. But he was. He's always in the right place. To say he. For a big guy, he could move, maneuver himself really well, and get him. And I think he scored the first hat trick at the end. So, um, yeah, yeah. he's finishing his field. Yeah, nice, nice, nice knowledge there, Ryan. Love it, love it. Um, Four one win. Look <laughs> 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 at that, right? right. We'll forget about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so um, the next one is speed. Who do you think is the fastest Brighton player, past or present? Um, speed. Uh, is it the young fullback? Is it Lamptey? Yeah, Tariq Lamptey, yeah. yeah. Yeah, his speed is ridiculous. Like, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Wenger was, was ridiculously quick as well. And then obviously Will Buckley, though, though, that, that would be yeah. an interesting race then for uh, Obviously, So, what was the first person you said, sir? I couldn't quite hear it. Kazenga. Will oh, Kazenga Lualua. Yeah, nice. Yeah. yeah. The, in the Premier League, he's actually tearing past people, that which is which is phenomenal, and he's he's so young. So like, yeah, I'd, I'd have his pace all day long. I think no, you said no. last week that everyone's going to pick Lamptey. Whatever we have, yeah, yeah, everyone's going to pick Lamptey. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lamptey was picked last week, and he's picked this week. So there you go. Um, the next one, a footballing IQ. Oh, um, footballing IQ. Um, is it just because they're clever or they, they understand football? Uh, it's very subjective, this one. <laughs> you can interpret it however you want. <laughs> I would say they're footballing understanding. Yeah, it's yeah. the way they sort of under- read the game. Um, I think, oh, I'm trying to go through all the, all the people that are, 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 are coming, like Vicente, probably. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I, I just think his, his ability to keep the ball on the other side of you was was ridiculous like you, you'd go from one side and because he, he was so good both feet and he was so well balanced he could kind of keep the ball on, on the right side if you're on your left and then he could switch it if you came the other side and it was just it was impossible to get near him and then like his, his finishing like his touch his movement you could understand why he had played at such a high level and yeah. but kind of to, to spend the time we did with him and obviously you only ever got to see maybe 70% like of him I don't think he was ever fully fit, which was which was the shame because I just I would have loved to have seen him in full flow, like mm. fit. Um, no, what, what was he like in training? What was he like in training? Was he just hard to get? Better? Yeah, it was just like he just glide past people and and <laughs> he couldn't like tackle him. And then like finishing wise, he he could like slot it in the corner. He could pull it. He could go around the keeper. He just he just had kind of everything that you'd, you'd expect of like a, a, a Spanish a Spanish player like they they were they brought up with the, that way of looking after the ball and and knowing where to put their body knowing where to put their touch um, knowing how to read the game and what positions to get into and, and I think what is he, he was early thirties when he came so he yeah. was yeah he was his his like his like footballing brain was was fantastic. 
Do you remember what the uh, reaction was maybe from you and the squad? So do you remember the day, the first day of training or when you heard the rumours that you might be signing in? Do you remember the, the reaction from yourself and the players? I think it was just like Googling him because like we were all talking <laughs> I think we never really spoke too much to kind of Spanish football and stuff like that. And then you, like, you, then you kind of see like who he is and what he's done. And, and then you find out like Real Madrid tried to buy him for, I think it's like 34 so, million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like wow, like this guy's got to be some player. And when he come in and and he kind of started doing what he was doing, you you were kind of like wow, like blown away. Um, as I say, it's just a shame that we never got to see more of him because I think he would have mm. like he could have just stayed fit, and I think he would have kind of brought so much more to the team. Um, but it's just it just wasn't meant to be. Okay, cool. Um, and then the next one, uh, leadership slash heart, or like you know, basically being a leader. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'd probably say uh, Adam Alab. Nice, mm. yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, he's, like, he's, he's bright and through and through. That came came through the youth ranks. Like that, that's that's his club. And I know I'm, I'm I'm close with him, and I still talk to him. And and I know he still lives in the Brighton area and that. And like when you used to play against him, I played against him previous to joining Brighton, and obviously with Brighton, and he was just kind of. He'd, he'd throw his body in the way. He he'd, like he'd put his life on the line for that team, and he'd organise. Um, and I think like as as time went by, he became a, a better player. Like for I think with Gus kind of teaching him and, and showing him to um, how to kind of get the ball down and play, he he improved so much as as a player, and he went on to to represent Egypt um, yeah. national level. So I think like for, for me, like uh, he'd he'd be like the, the heart and soul. Yeah, and the fact the fact he looks like a nutter as well that yeah. probably <laughs> probably definitely helps. Like when he when he stepped on the pitch, he uh, well, he's now grown his hair. I know we keep going back to hair, but he's grown his hair now, hasn't he? Was that anything to do with you? Or did, did, <laughs> <laughs> is there a, like a few good years together. Oh, we went Brighton, then we went to Wickham, and then we been at Stevenage. So, oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's followed you about. He's followed you about. <laughs> I hang his phone calls up, everything, but he, he finds me. <laughs> He's, he's touching, he's, he's man, he's man tight, isn't he? He's, just, he's used to defending all the time. I pay for Peter when he goes to Brighton and he's like, he's trying to mark me. He's like, he's great with football to kind of keep in contact with people and move from club to club. It, it's wonderful because you make great friendships um, when you're in a team and then when you kind of go away from that team, like football moves on, life moves on and you kind of lose contact and maybe six months a year down the line, you kind of, get back in contact with these people so to, to have yeah. like these close friendships is, is great what, what was the biggest bromance you ever had at Brighton what was the biggest uh, friendship you had um, Will Buckley was was one he, he used to live like uh, two doors down from me so we were, we were we were close and we'd go and play golf loads and and then and then Ad would come as well um, so I got three bucks um, and then obviously he went off and, and you kind of lose a bit of contact with these people and lucky enough you've got social media and you kind of yeah. text in there but people people's life moves on so fast and like with football you, the seasons come and go so quick it's kind of like you blink and the season's gone and you haven't spoke to someone for a year so it's it's it's, it's mad when you're in someone's pocket for 24 7 for, for however long yeah. all of a sudden you, you kind of you don't you don't get to speak for a while so it is it is a strange a strange industry 
Yeah, that's mad. Um, okay, but no, it's good. It's good to see that you know you had, had a couple of bromances along the way. Big, big Adam Elab. Hopefully, we'll try and get him on the pod and see what he what yeah. he has to say about about, <laughs> follow, about following you around. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, so the second to last category is um, so we mentioned it. You were you were actually nominated for this one by Andy Naylor. Um, yeah. So work rate. Yeah, I don't I don't think there's many that would, would... <laughs> <laughs> take that crown off you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, things for me it's always been work mate I've always worked as hard as I can like I've never seen myself so much as like a really technically skillful player like, I've always worked really hard at my game like my, my finishing um, my hold up play like strength speed everything I've, it's, it's never really come like, it's never I've never had it completely natural I've had to always I've had to really work and hone it and, and kind of improve those little little bits like Cristiano Ronaldo yeah yeah very yeah. You know, just like looking at myself and I'm, I'm very good at kind of understanding what I need to do and how I need to do it and, and where that will put me. So throughout my career, it's always kind of finding the best methodologies, kind of weight-wise, speed-wise, like all these different things that will give me that extra kind of one or two percent that, that might make a difference. And, and then it's just going on the pitch and, and leaving it all on the pitch. Uh, my, my kind of philosophy was always to kind of go out there and, and give it everything I've got because again you never know with one tackle or whatever that happens you, you might never play football again and and I don't I never wanted to come off a football pitch or never wanted to finish football and look back and go well that day I could have probably worked a bit harder or that day I could have done a bit more I'd rather come off and go I give everything I've got it took me to wherever it took me and and I can't ask much more of myself like there's literally physically no more I can do and then I can look back at myself and go like, thanks football for everything you did to me, did for me and gave to me I gave you everything I've got and then I'm I'm moving on to my my next my next venture. Nice, perfect. Well, Andy, respect, respect. Oh, Sorry, something pretty uh, interesting about the work rate. So he said he said that you were the guy for the work rate, but he also mentioned that it's quite an odd one because surely footballers. It, well, this is what Andy said. Surely footballers should be Work, uh, working as hard as they can every single day. So what would you say to that, that he was saying, well, surely their work rate should be at the highest level it can be every single game? So, yeah, what would you say to Andy? It's, it's difficult because every, every player is different. Every every player you look at, like, maybe working at their maximum. Like, just, just like for my case, it was the, the fact that I could run for ages and I could sprint for ages and I could literally do all that. And, and then, just an example, like, Mesut Ozil, like, unbelievable technically, got amazing ability, and people say he doesn't work hard enough. But how do they know he's not working hard enough? How do they know he's not working at his maximum? But that what you might see of him, it might be his maximum that he can actually like give you. But obviously, on top of that, he's got all the other qualities. So it's, it's a hard thing to judge. It's a hard thing to say, oh, like, I, I run around and look at like, Macca's work rate. It's amazing. Everyone's got to emulate that. But you can't. You can only work as hard as you can physically work. So it's yeah. it's all kind of subjective to, to the player and then that's the, how hard they can work. And then again, it's all down to as well. Where are you willing? How hard are you willing to work, like with within your position and in your sport, within your chosen whatever you decide to do? It's like that's that's on you. So it's and then that becomes a, like a self pride thing. So it's yeah, I think yeah. it's very hard, like to basically say everyone should be working as hard as they they can, and like kind of you, you can't prove that. You just just got to. But you, you, you can't actually say, again, as I said, you can't say that person is not working as hard as you can. It just, it just, he, might, he might be, but he might, he might not be working as hard as you want him to be working. Yeah, no, definitely. Mm. Um, and, and funny you should mention Mesut Ozil, because that actually takes us on very nicely to the final category. Um, so the final category is quite similar to the football IQ a little bit, but it's vision. Who would you say has got the best vision? 
Oh, um, I'd say you, you've got Adam Lalana now, so I'd say mm. I've played against him a few times, and obviously, like I've seen his quality, his quality for Liverpool. Um, I think he's kind of just starting to find his way with Brighton. Um, and I think his his vision is is fantastic. He's he's a he's a fantastic player. As I said, I've played against him quite a few times when he's at Southampton and that, and he's always really impressed me. Um, so hopefully he can kind of kind of say find his way now and and, and start hopefully kind of uh, contributing and creating more more for the for the team. Did did he do many Cruyff turns whilst uh, he played against you? He, he did a few. That, 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 <laughs> that, he uh, loves a Cruyffy. He came to tackle me, and I think I flicked over his head and ran past him, and that, and then. Oh, unbelievable! <laughs> Have that, Adam. Have that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one thing Adam Milana won't catch you with—is your pace. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> good point. Yeah, amazing. Uh, all right, mate, that's class. So just just to sort of round up, then. So your your perfect player with finishing would be Joa, um, Tariq Lamptey's pace, uh, Vicente's football footballing IQ. Um, Adam Elab's leadership, um, your your own work rate, and uh, Lalana's vision. Um, yeah. So that's Sounds pretty, pretty decent player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, good I'll, I'll take that all day long. If we can if we can replicate that in the lab, um, that'll be amazing. So if <laughs> any, any scientists out there want to try and give us a go, well, um, you get please. a vaccine uh, vaccine for COVID. Yeah, yeah. Get yeah, a vaccine no. for the perfect Brighton player. That's all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> are, you, are you are you taking the vaccine, Craig? If if, if you're giving it, are you taking um, it? Probably not. Like, I no. look after myself well. I, I eat right. I do everything I can right, and um, it's just it's just my personal preference. It's not not something I feel that that I, that I need to take. Um, I've got yeah. no. If, if people feel that they they feel better for it and they want to take it, then then fantastic. That, that's down to them. But for me personally, it's it's not something that I'm I'm going to do. You're an, you're an absolute Iron Man. I don't I don't think you need it, Craig. Anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, don't, don't think you need it. Um, amazing. Um, so then, yeah, and, and then just quickly, then um, I know we've kept you quite a while. Uh, so just just a couple of non sort of Brighton slash um, not related to yourself. Um, there's a couple of talking points now. The most sort of recent one um, actually happened uh, today. So um, Joe Gomez was um, injured on international duty. Um, so the big question is, um, will should Ben White or Lewis Dunk, from what you've seen, or if you've seen much? them I don't know uh, but do you think either of them deserve a place in the squad I think Dunkey does like Dunkey's been so consistent over the last few years like it, it, it baffles me how he hasn't got a call up and how he hasn't been in that in, in England squad regularly like, tell us about it Craig tell us about it players <laughs> playing at bigger clubs who I, I don't think are anywhere near as good as Dunkey uh, so I don't I don't quite understand it I don't I don't know why he isn't in there. I think he should be. Uh, do you think that's because of the small club bias? Do you think it's because of the size of Brighton or do you not uh, think that exists? Uh, I don't know. When you look at it, it's like it's hard to say it, it doesn't count because obviously, to say he's been one of the most consistent centre-halves in, in the Premier League over the last few years. So whether he plays for Man United or whether he plays for Brighton, like he, he should be considered in the squad um, when there's been other players that maybe probably haven't done as much as he, he's done. Um, so I, I'm disappointed not to see him in there. I, I think he, he deserves it. And, and with Ben White, I, I don't know too much about him. I know obviously he's, he's done fantastic well at Leeds and I've seen kind of bits and pieces of him and, and, and obviously people have kind of said 
he's uh, the next next big thing to come through. So I'm I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to to his progression and and hopefully Brighton can keep him because I know like there was I don't know obviously it's tabloid rumours but Liverpool are kind of sniffing around and yeah. stuff like that. So. Especially now with Gomez out as well as well as Van Dijk yeah. after even more I think. Mm. Yeah, we we tweeted about it earlier actually. Yeah, we we, we think well we, we've heard rumours that yeah I think they wanted him for twenty five million. Um, and then obviously Leeds were in for him as well. They got a couple of offers knocked back. Um, so yeah, they're, they're all sniffing around. <laughs> so it's, it's not looking good for us, but fingers crossed we can we can keep hold of him. I think it's good for his career. Because obviously it shows what Brighton are producing. Like the yeah. players have all, have all come out um, and, and, and done really well. He's obviously gone out and done really, really well. Is it Aaron Connolly who's come through and yeah. uh, still young and, and he's come through through the setup. So it shows what, what Brighton are producing. Obviously, he might go, which is just the way football is, and and there'll, there'll be other people waiting in the wings to to come through. So it's it's great to see because that's what you want as a, as a club and a, and as a young player, you want to be involved in a club that are allowing the youngsters to come through and then actually kind of giving the youngsters chances to play and then obviously selling them on when they when they've done well. So like for, for the young lads at, at Brighton, it, it's got to be a positive to to see how the club is progressing that way. No, definitely. And um, we've got like, one thing. Sorry, Mas. The one That's thing right. we must say, like about our club over the last few years, we're not a selling club. We never, we never sell our best players. We never have mm-hmm. done, and I don't think we ever will. I think that's just one of the things that Bloom and that have. And Barber, you say they, that they now, but Ryan, that gonna, we're going to sell all our players now. Cheers, Ryan. You jinxed it. Yeah, but no, but you look at the Lewis Dunk situation back in what was it, 15, 16. I remember he was linked to all sorts of clubs. I think Newcastle, West Brom, when they were in the Premier League and we were bottom of the championship, we were still rejecting bids every single time and we signed him on a new contract. So yeah. I think, you know, with Ben White, I can't see us taking 25 million because if if they think he's that good, we wouldn't just take the first offer that comes. We'd no. be like, well, no, we're not going to let go of one of our best best talents for twenty five million because I don't think that's how we work. That's how we work. Yeah. No, def- definitely, I, I agree. No, I, I think I think it just shows well. We got what we got Hayden Roberts coming through. We got Ostergaard. Mm-hmm. We got like all these great young talents, uh, like Craig was saying. So for centre halves. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, we've got what like ten centre halves. Um, so we're yeah, not short. We're, we're not short in that department. Uh, safe to say. Oh, we have to and then just Dan burn a left wing back because we just. Said <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then the final thing. Uh, then we're going to ask from you, Craig. Um, just, just quickly. Just, uh, uh, I don't know again how much you've sort of been you know looking at our, us this season but um we, we we've struggled in the in the striking department um so i think a stat we've got is here um our shot accuracy um is i think 27 percent uh which is pretty mental um stat oh so, all well, right yeah yeah I so I, I think everyone else yeah, so it's just, it just it's a bit mental. I think yeah, it's one of, one of the worst in the in the league. Yes, yeah, uh, the worst in the league. Oh, it's the worst in the league. Right there, you go. Um, so yeah, what, what do you the think? Like we've had one hundred and five shots. Yeah, and we've scored. I think six goals or that eleven goals or something ridiculous. Yeah, which is which is mental. Um, so just quickly, like, how do you, how do you see our season panning out? And um, yeah, what do you, what do you think the reason is as to why we're we're not very sort of successful in front of goal at the moment? As a striker, I think I think the, I think the club will be will be fine. I've, I've watched a few games and I keep I always keep an eye on the results and and on my Twitter feed and stuff. I've got lots of different things to tell me about what's going on at Brighton. Um, so I, I think the club will be fine. I think like these, you'd rather be getting loads of chances and missing them than be getting hardly any chances and not and not actually scoring. Yeah. So 
like sooner or later that these chances will go in. It's and with a forward as well. It, it sometimes it becomes like you miss one, and then you kind of start snatching at another chance and snatching at another chance. And when the expectation is to score and keep the team team afloat, it's it sometimes you kind of you put pressure on you which you don't need to put on. So. Um, I wouldn't be too worried, as I said, if if the team weren't producing chances and the, and the strikers weren't doing getting chances, and then you can look at it and go, well, where are we going to get goals from? But at some stage, like that, that Malpai did, he did well last season. He scored a few, and he scored a few kind of yeah. beginning of the season. It's just kind of confidence, and then once one goes in, they all they all seem to kind of flow. So it's. It, it's it is difficult, and again, as I said, like the fans play a big role. Like it's you you want fans in there. You sometimes you need that pressure. Sometimes you as a forward you need pressure to to score these goals. And I've always found it that when you go on a pitch of fans, you, it's easy to switch your brain off. But when you go into an empty stadium, there's nothing to switch your brain off to. It's almost like a reserve game, and kind of playing in a reserve game, there's no adrenaline, there's no emotion. There's, it's really really hard to to kind of just let your brain brain flow but when there's a crowd for some reason your brain just switches off and it allows you just to go and do what you, you do naturally so I think if hopefully you can get crowds back in soon and, and that will help but as I said like, I, I think they'll be fine uh, keep creating chances and, and the goals will, will follow Fingers, fingers crossed. <laughs> fingers crossed. Uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. And I think, yeah, just before we let you go, I think the chaps have got um, a couple of th things they want to show you. I think. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, I, I've stitched, I've stitched them up basically, uh, Craig. I've stitched them both up, but they both got uh, actual pictures with you when they're younger. So, so, yeah. right, so, so, just quick, just before you show it. Oh, okay. Well, then, go on, go on, it's show, too show late. It. We've done it. <laughs> there you go. Look at that. Look yeah. at that. That was Thomas Kujak. Uh, it's brilliant like it's to, to to kind of been in the game for so long and you say you kind of have, have pictures of people and stuff like that and then to, to kind of see the difference like 10 5 10 years later is it's brilliant like it's just like wonderful to see the people kind of support the game support their team and then say to kind of have a chat and still kind of see you have the same dedication and and kind of support for your, for your team it's, it's awesome like, I, I love it i love seeing like, like old pictures of me like make me go wow like and and you kind of remember these situations you, you kind of go into and sometimes you, you, you meet you meet people remember them and it's it's brilliant as, as a player to interact with the fans it's it's, it's great class yeah no great, really. i have I've, to say I have to oh, say, on, do you remember the match attacks thing at Homebush? I do. You released do you remember it? <laughs> yeah, I do remember. Is it, I, I believe it was 2012, 13 uh, season. Something like that. And, and I, I'm annoyed with match attacks, though, because they, they uh, put my head on uh, Gordon Greer's body and then and put it... Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Madness. I've that's got that card. I think you gave me it and you signed it at the time and you gave me... I don't know. I think it's in one of my drawers. Yeah. But unbelievable. That's not actually that's, your body. That's just your head. It's my head stuck on Gordon Greer's body, so... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that's amazing. That's I'll amazing. bin it for you, Craig. I'll bin it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I... I, I 
I feel I feel a bit bad now that I'm the only one without a self uh, without a picture. So um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna take this. I'm gonna take a screenshot of this uh, of this podcast <laughs> and uh, yeah, have that as my picture. Uh, so we we all we all had a picture with you. So that's all good. But no, honestly, you, you've been amazing. Like some amazing stories, uh, especially the Barry Fry pregnancy story. That was just <laughs> mental. Uh, that was a that was a personal highlight for me. Uh, but no, it's been incredibly insightful, um, and we really appreciate your time. And uh, we wish you all the luck in in Lon League. Um, you know, with with the new club and of course with your uh, new company as well. So whenever you, whenever that gets run in, let us know, and uh, we're more than happy to you know get it plugged and stuff like that. So uh, no, really, really appreciate your time. I'm sure the chaps do as well. Yeah, no, um, I really appreciate. It. I've really really enjoyed it. Class. Thank you very much. No, yeah, no, definitely. It's been class. Um, and of course, yeah, make sure um, if everyone's listening and watching, make sure you do uh, subscribe and like the video. It does really help with the reach um, as well as um, follow us on all our socials, Seagull Social. And of course, follow Craig as well on all his social, uh, on his socials as well. Uh, give him some love. Uh, I'm sure he'll appreciate it. YouTube video. If you haven't yeah, already, yeah. Then they'll be in there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Give him a follow as well. Uh, we really appreciate it. But no, we hope uh, you all enjoyed it. Um, and again, once again, thanks, Craig. And we'll see you next week. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.